0: you mm-hmm. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you that you are the one in whom we can trust in all things. You are the one who gave your son um, so that our sins could be sacrificed, uh, so that you could sacrifice your life for our sins, that we could have hope and peace. And so God, move in our hearts as we study your word together, Lord, and it's in your most precious name we pray. Amen. So, I'm curious um, uh, for each one of you, what what do you want for Christmas? What would you like um, for your Christmas present or your Christmas gift? So I remember as a kid, uh, we used to get the um, it was either the Sears and Roebuck or it was the Montgomery Ward catalog it was like this thick you know and had a lot of worth of things in it like clothes and furniture and all that stuff but the section that was my favorite was the section with all of the toys and all of those cool things and I remember looking through that and enjoying each one of those things and loving that. So what do you what is it that you want for Christmas? What would be the top of your list? And most of us, as we get kind of old, we realize that the most important things that we want in our life cannot be given to us, you know, in the form of a present. In fact, we reach a certain place and age in our life in which we realize, you know what, Um, human beings can't give me what I really need. It is God himself. The most important gifts can only come from God. God. And so as we begin this Christmas series, as we look at it together as a church family, one of the questions that I want you to wrestle with, and I don't know if you noticed it when you came in, the big banner that was out there, but it simply says, God, I need. So what would that be for you? You know, so right now I need a little bit of peace and quiet. Right now, or God, I need um, you know some extra money in my paycheck because I got some bills due. Or, God, I need my boss to be nice to me. Or, God, I need my kids to quit driving me, you know, up the wall. So it's you know, uh, at the top of our heads are probably some of the things that are a little bit less um, meaningful but very pronounced right now. But if we sit back and think about that a little bit more, um, the needs that we have really do go much deeper, you know? And we begin to realize that the only person who can really answer those needs is God Himself. So, what is the answer to that question? God, I need. So, 700 years before Jesus Christ, you know, the one that we celebrate at Christmas, 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, God spoke some significant, meaningful words. They were significant, but they also were words, even though they weren't known this way, they were words that spoke into really the deepest needs of the people who were listening to them. And those words come from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now this baby that's born, um, though it was a tiny baby, came into this world to meet the deepest needs that every single one of us have. And what's most interesting is that he isn't called or described by just one name, but he shall be called, say that out loud with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Say that again with me. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now typically we start Christmas right in the Gospels, in Matthew or in Luke as we look at the story of Jesus. Like this morning in my reading I was in Luke and it was talking about the birth of John the Baptist who was the one to precede Jesus Christ. But Today we begin, in fact, in this whole series, we begin not at the birth of Jesus Christ or even the conception of Jesus Christ, but we begin 700 years before that. The words of a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And so I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Now, we're also going to read a passage in Luke 1, but most of the time we're going to be in chapter 9 and even a little bit chapter 8. So use your YouVersion app or use your Bible to be able to follow along, but this is the prophet Isaiah who um, prophesied or who predicted God working through him that this baby Jesus would be born, and again, 700 years before, and he told us what the first Christmas gift would be like. So again, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, he says there, to us... A child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, so say it out loud with me again, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are his names. But then he goes on and says this, Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. Now, those words may sound familiar to you because some of you may have sung those when you were in high school or even in college. Anybody sing any of those words in high school or college? For unto us a child is born. Those words, right? Everybody's familiar, you know? Maybe you sang those. We're we're not going to make you sing, don't worry. You don't want me singing either. But they're familiar, but not because they were in some great musicals, you know, Handel's Messiah and those kind of things, but they're familiar because they come right out of the Christmas story, which comes 700 years before that. So I want to read to you from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 through verse 33, and then we're going to take a look at this prophecy that Isaiah gives to us. So Luke writes this, he says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. He shall be called. And so for the next Three weeks plus, we're going to just take a look at what Jesus was called and the significance of that to your life and to my life, and to see how amazing this gift truly is for every single one of us. But at the heart of it is it's answering this question, what do I need? And learning that it is God who meets our deepest needs. And so today we're going to begin with the very first name of those four names. So what is that very first name? Very good. Wonderful counselor. So the baby Jesus is a wonderful counselor, right? Wonderful counselor. So I learned this past week that this word wonderful, or this title wonderful, it it has to do with or translates literally as beyond understanding. So when something is wonderful, at least according to the Old Testament, it is something beyond understanding, um, something uncommon, something out of the ordinary. It's actually something that just defies explanation. It is wonderful. And so he shall be called wonderful, but not just wonderful, but what? Wonderful Counselor. And so the second part of the description of the Messiah, which is what Isaiah was talking to us about there, is that he would be a counselor. Now again, in the kind of historic Hebrew usage, this word would describe a king that is giving counsel to his people. So it's kind of tied into royalty because it refers to a king, but it's not just any kind of leader, but it is a leader who provides unexplainable wisdom. Now you and I know that not all leaders have unexplainable wisdom. Some of them we scratch our head and we wonder, do they have any wisdom in their brains at all? But that's not true of Jesus. So a wonderful counselor would describe one who Miraculously leads through his wisdom and through his insight. This would describe a king that is giving wise direction to his people. In fact, Isaiah refers to this in other places. Isaiah eleven two, it says, "The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit here it is of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord." And then later in chapter twenty eight. All this comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is what? It's magnificent. Another one of those words that describe beyond our ability to understand. What a picture Isaiah paints of this king to be born. Now, of course, the people who were hearing this were thinking immediately, right? This is a baby that will be born maybe nine months down the road, Isaiah was foretelling of something that would happen 700 years down the road. But there was a problem in Isaiah's day. It wasn't that they didn't have a leader in the form of a king. It's that all of their kings were were ungodly. They were horrible. They were not the kind of people that you would want to go to to get wise counsel. I mean, it was a huge problem in Isaiah's day. So, Look back in chapter 8, down in verse 19. So where did they go if they didn't have a wise king to go to? 8 verse 19, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritualists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God, why consult the dead on behalf of the living? See, the problem was there was this vacuum of wise leadership, and so they were turning to mediums and spiritualists who I mean, you just need to understand that's just foolishness to, refer, to, to try to get your answers. In other words, he's saying, why don't you turn to the living God? But for them, there was this vacuum in their lives. And it's no wonder at the very last verse of chapter 8, here's the situation that Isaiah describes just before our chapter. Verse 22, Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. I mean, some of you can relate. Or maybe you have periods of time in your life you can relate. It's, it's like I'm trying to walk through a dark room. I have no idea where anything is around me. I can't see if I'm going to fall down the stairs or trip over something or run into a wall. It's so dark, and I, have, I, I can't see anything. I'm living my life as if I I'm blind. But then, into this dismal, hopeless kind of a setting in which there was no wise leadership to guide them, Isaiah writes these words in chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And then verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then the verse that we read again, Isaiah 9, 6. Why? For unto us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 700 years before this baby was to be born, that we celebrate now at Christmas time, Isaiah gives us a glimpse of this ruler that he would become one who, as we're looking at today, is a wonderful counselor. And we need a wonderful counselor. So I know that um, depending upon your age, um, the concept of going to a stranger who's a counselor may, uh, may not have been all that acceptable, right? Maybe because of your age, and I'm not calling any of you old or anything, but the reality is at a certain point, I know this is true for my dad, the thought of him going to a counselor is like, uh, no, thank you, I don't need that. You had to learn to figure out life on your own, right? Right? And that was challenging at best at times as you faced some struggles and difficulties, especially if you didn't have family that you could turn to to help you in any way at all. And I'm thankful that this has changed, that um, not only the opportunity and the viewpoint of it, but the experience of so many who can really help us. I mean, I've seen a counselor. I'm, I'm thankful for a guy by the name of Peter I mean, he just has been a tremendous help to me. I'm so thankful for Peter like that, uh, people like that, because Peter, for me, was a wise help. But Isaiah says, "This baby is not going to just be a wise help. This baby will be a wonderful beyond understanding and explanation, a counselor, royalty who is wise and who guides us. And I think we all need wise counsel at times. So what would you look for in a counselor? So if you were trying to find a wonderful counselor, what would, what would be the things that you would say, okay, this would be important to me? Let me, let me sh- share with you a couple that I think describe not only who we should look for, but describe this wonderful counselor. So number one, I need someone who listens. I need someone who listens. Anybody out there uh, not a very good listener? Now, don't point at the people next to you, right? Okay. Um, You know, uh, guys get the unfair moniker that we don't listen well, and the truth is that's true, right? I mean, we don't listen all that well. But I've learned through the years that, you know, women don't always listen all that well either. We struggle with that. There was a a couple celebrating their 50th golden wedding anniversary at a, you know, pre COVID. So they had a room full of people. And so the husband and wife were up there and they were toasting each other. And so the wife took her drink and she said, Honey, after 50 years, I found you to be tried and true. And he was a little hard to hear and he said, What'd you say? He said, she said, I found you, honey, to be tried and true. And he says, Well, after 50 years, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> <clears throat> i I got to say, I don't think Jesus would have done that. I think Jesus was a a, a good listener. In fact, here's what uh, Matthew writes in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I mean, doesn't that sound amazing? Uh, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think Jesus always listened well. He had this ability to listen beyond even the words that were being spoken. And, and, you know, unfairly, Jesus could read hearts and minds. Maybe, thankfully, he could do that. You know, the woman at the well, when he talked to her, he saw into her deepest need. Um, when he was speaking to Niconebus at night, or when the centurion was worried about his servant being healed, and they all had these conversations with Jesus, he listened. But I think one of the Best scriptural proofs that Jesus listened well comes from the Apostle John in First John five. John says, "I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life." Here it is. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. Um, For the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit not to be able to listen to our needs would be a contradiction. It is inconsistent with the very nature of God and Scripture itself. We need someone who listens. But in looking at a counselor, we also need someone who understands. Someone who listens and someone who understands. Have you ever misjudged a situation um, in your life? You know, jump to a conclusion because you... uh, you know either weren't listening well or you know it, it just you you heard one word out of a whole sentence and you just made a determination on that i don't think jesus ever did that i think jesus was able to not only listen but i think jesus was truly able to understand who we are and what we're going through and i think it's important for you to know that there is a wonderful counselor who knows everything about us The word that comes to my mind is the word compassion, or maybe even better, the word empathy. Just the ability to just truly connect with what's going on in our life. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Healing every disease and sickness when he saw the crowds. Notice this, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, Jesus just had compassion and empathy for. Every single one of the people that he encountered and he does for you and for me, one who understands our problems and our struggles. I mean, that's, this is something really crucial for you to grab a hold of. Jesus really does empathize and understand what it is we face. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says, verse chapter 4. He says, For we do not have a high priest, and that's him describing Jesus Christ. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He understands everything that you and I have gone through. We need somebody who listens, who understands. We need somebody who is willing to tell us the truth. I need somebody who will tell me the truth and sometimes when you're trying to give advice to somebody else especially people you love well from my experience sometimes I struggle a little bit with telling the truth because if I tell them the truth what if they bite my head off or what if they don't want to be around me any longer but we need somebody who can tell us the truth we don't need a you know a, a counselor who just tells us what we want to hear Henry Youngman used to say I have a very fine doctor If you can't afford the operation, he just touches up the x-rays. I don't want that, right? I don't want somebody who's just going to touch up something in my life. I want somebody who listens, understands, but who is willing to tell the truth, um, to do it well and do it tactfully, you know, whether it was confronting the rich young ruler with his dependence on wealth or the woman caught in the act of adultery where Jesus forgives her but says, go and sin no more, I mean, Jesus, when you open his word and you read it, Jesus tells us the truth. It ha- it's in love. We know he loves us. The problem for us, or at least the struggle for some, is honestly we don't always want to hear the truth. Because if you hear the truth, that means you've got to make a decision about whether I want to do something about it or not. And if I'm hearing the truth from God, who is the wonderful counselor, who's all-wise, and I choose not to do it, what does that say? You know, about me Um, i think there's some people who don't seek godly counsel because honestly they're afraid of what they might hear afraid of what god's word may say to them and what changes they may have to make in their life and it will kind of confront their desire to really not want to do what god wants them to do whether it's in regard to our marriages or how we raise our kids or how we handle worry or our finances how we handle our sexuality God will always speak the truth to us because of his great love for us. But sometimes it's challenging and sometimes we're afraid that we're going to hear something that we really don't want to do and deep down we're just not interested in following it. And that's why I think we need those who tell us the truth. Proverbs 27, wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. I mean, what does it really say about a person who won't tell us the truth even though we need to hear it? And I know there's a personality that, you know, for some people that it's like, ah, you know, I just, it's just too difficult for me. But what does it really say about me if I say I love someone, but I'm unwilling to tell them the truth because I, what, I don't want them to not like me anymore? I'm worried that they're you don't want to be around me anymore. They may you know, get mad at me at some point. But if I really love someone, I'll figure out how to tell the truth. And you never have to worry about that with Jesus. So somebody what, who, who listens, who understands, who tells us the truth, and then finally, someone who gives clear direction, who gives clear direction. I heard one time a counselor who stated that the reason most people come to him is because everyone is in search of hope. We are. We we want that hope that can only come from God. And I want you to know today that Jesus Christ is the only one who can give our lives real hope and real direction and real meaning and real significance That's why the writer of Proverbs said this in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. What's so amazing about this direction that he provides is that he is a light shining the path in front of us if we will just follow it. So over the last, um, you know, few months, Patty and I get up in the morning, you know, three or four mornings a week at least, and we go walk. Well, you know, at this time of year, if you go very early, which we do, it's dark when you go, and most of the time there's street lights and stuff. Um, but we, there's this one stretch that we go down in which it's on a sidewalk, but then there's all this, you know, kind of thick growth that kind of goes all the way around you, and trees on this side, trees on this side. So when you walk through this one, it's like you're walking into the tunnel of darkness. You can't see anything. And so one things I do, you know, is I take out my phone, um, which does a multitude of things, you know, and I turn on the light, right? Not very bright in a bright room like this, but in the morning when it's dark, and what I, I every once in a while I'll do this you know, so I can see ahead of it, but where do I really want to put the light? I want to put it kind of right in front of where we're walking so that we won't trip over anything. And that's the way God's wisdom for you and I works. It's like a light in our path in front of us, not too far ahead of us, right? That would probably terrify all of us, but he gives us the wisdom that we need, and into this world of darkness comes this little baby. This wonderful counselor, and it's no wonder Jesus said in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So maybe you're here today because you need the light of Jesus Christ to shine into your life. And Jesus can provide that because, as Isaiah said, he is the wonderful counselor, one who can take us by the hand, who can lead us even in the the midst of darkness because he can see and he can know. And you need to understand that Jesus is the greatest present ever because he gives us the greatest gift ever. That's a gift of hope.
1: What are you guys doing? Wrapping a present. Um. Well, what is that? Um... A bow. A bow. Yeah. Do you like getting presents? Yeah. Yeah? Do you have some good presents that you're going to give this year for Christmas? Yeah. Yeah? It's tricky to wrap the present, isn't it? Where does Santa live at? Where does Santa live? He lives in the North Pole, Bo. But how do we get there? I think you have to take a really, really warm plane. So why, why do we give presents? Because God wants us to be generous.
0: That <laughs> we don't need it right there.
1: I'm sorry. Sophie, why does, why does God want us to be generous?
0: Because it's kind.
1: It is kind.
0: Wait, because God, God
1: is generous? He is generous. What did He do for us that shows He's generous? He died on the cross? Yeah, He died on the cross for us. Um, why? Why did, why did Jesus die on the cross? Yeah. Well, Jesus died on the cross so that He could take away our sins. And He came to earth as a baby. Yeah. You guys want to say Merry Christmas? Merry
0: Christmas. You know, Jesus died on the cross so that he could take away our sins. He came to this world to be the light, to shine in the darkness. And it's interesting that, you know, in Isaiah's words there, it wasn't just one name that could could describe Jesus, you know. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And throughout Scripture, there's so many other names But all of them refer to this baby that we celebrate at Christmas time, And you and I need to know that this baby came to be a wonderful counselor, that the wisdom that comes from his word and his guidance is is something that we desperately need in our lives. So where do you need his wise counsel? What is an area of your life that you really need the guidance that comes from this one Jesus Christ? And encourage you to wrestle with that and think that through. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this baby that we celebrate who grew up to give his life on the cross, oh, we'd love to be able to talk to you about that and what that means in your heart and your life. We want to take some time over the next couple of minutes and just um, reflect on who this baby is and what he means in our hearts and our life. And so... I'm going to pray for us and then just remain sit, sitting. Those of you are at home, and encourage you to join us as we all sing together and worship together and remind ourselves again that Jesus wasn't just a baby, but he came to, to change your life and my life. So let me pray for us, and then let's worship and reflect together. Father God, thank you for your love and mercy and grace. Um, Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross for my sin. Lord, I I need your forgiveness, and I thank you that you give that to us. And Lord, I thank you that Jesus came to be a wonderful counselor, and we need his wisdom. Help us to be people who truly listen and rely upon him. Father, we love you, and it's in your most precious name we pray, amen. Amen.